0: Just our lives to His Word. We're not asking Him to change to fit us so we see our change to the to or dislikes and bring ourselves under the authority of God's Word. That's what true really living is. True life is. Yeah. People are praying for freedom and praying for, they're, they're asking and looking for such freedom uh, in Jesus. And the freedom in Jesus is going to come as we walk in light of, the light of His Word. By the power of the Holy Ghost, surrender to Him. The conflict comes when we're bucking against it, when we're uh, in some little way or some big way coming against something that God has spoken clearly to us in our hearts and minds and conscience by His Word, by His Spirit. And uh, we don't have to walk walk contrary to that. We can walk with the Lord. And no sense in fighting against the Lord who made us and loved us. We just need to yield to Him in everything. And... uh, I want you, if you would, to turn to your Bibles to Judges chapter 7. I want to read one passage here. If you've studied the Bible or heard, you know, read through the Bible, you realize that the whole book of Judges can be summed up by a time in Israel's history where every man did what was right in their own eyes. Now, can you imagine every man? I've said it before, I don't know how many, seven billion plus on the earth probably now. Closer to 8 billion probably. And every man doing what's right in their own eyes. Everybody thinks that they're right. Everybody thinks people be, should be persuaded to their opinion. Even God. That it should be this way. If God were God of love, He would do this, and He would do that, and He wouldn't let this happen. And every man doing right was uh, in his own eyes. Well, as man was doing right in his own eyes, they were doing wrong by, by the Lord. And what He, the way He called them to live. And... They weren't experiencing freedom and joy and blessing by rebelling, by rebelling against God. It's a big lie of the devil that all the freedom and joy in life comes in just casting off all restraints, basically, and just indulging in everything that you want to indulge in. And that's what Solomon tried, remember? He, whatever his eyes saw, he didn't even hold his hand from it. He indulged in every single thing. He describes a lot of it there in the Bible. And... Um, but that's not where freedom is. The freedom is in Christ. Right? And he says, uh, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. If the Son, therefore, have made you free, you shall be free indeed. And there's liberty because we don't have a guilty conscience anymore. We don't have the a guilt of, of our sin and, and worry and fear in our hearts and our conscience. We're in a right standing with God. Where we know that we're loved by the Lord. We know that we're forgiven. And the power of sin has been broken from off of our lives. It doesn't mean we cannot commit another sin as a believer. It does mean that we're not slaves to sin. That power has been broken. Well, in the book of Judges, there was a pattern. You know the pattern well. God would... uh, the people would be walking in obedience to the Lord. He would say, don't worship these idols that are in these neighboring countries around you. Don't compromise. Be sure to keep My Word... Uh, and trust in me, and so forth. Don't intermarry with these people here because they're going to steal your hearts away. And guess what they would do? Over time, and it didn't take a lot of time. They would begin to compromise. They would begin to uh, forsake the Lord and say, "Wow, did you see this worship service that these uh, Canaanites do over here? Wow, let's slip out at night and do some of that. And we'll still go to the, you know, we'll still do the sacrifices to God, you know, for our for a habit, or whatever, but their hearts were taken away. So the pattern was that they would stray from God, and God, in, in, as a kind of God, and would send an enemy to oppress them to where they reached a place of desperation. They would come under the rule or the authority of some godless nation around them. as a godless king of the Midianites, the Canaanites, whatever. They would come under, under this authority 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, They would be oppressed. And they're saying, we're miserable. This is not how God, our God and Savior intended for us to live. And what would they do? They would cry out in desperation. Lord, help us. Our enemies are greater than us. We're oppressed. They've made us slaves. They've taken our property away. Whatever it may be. We don't have the freedoms that we had. And we're miserable. God, forgive us. Help us. And God would help them every single time. He would send Samson. He would send Gideon. He would send some judge among them that would... None of them were perfect by far. You can read about their faults as well. But they they were used physically as a deliverer. Like to lead an army or to to, to throw off the the Philistines' uh, power and restraint over them. And for the time that that judge would live, Gideon or Barak or one of these other judges, the people would... Serve the Lord, and pretty much, you know, stay where they were supposed to. When that judge would die, quickly they would drift back, and the pattern was repeated over and over. We all know the story of, of Gideon as a very exciting story because God chooses Gideon, who is a fearful man, but God says, "Go in your strength and your valor, and you're going to be used to deliver my people." And he he doesn't uh, say no. He just questions, you know, Lord, if this is really you, and he prays for some signs, and God gives him some signs. And God, um, At that time, the Midianites, the Bible says, were like grasshoppers. They would come up, they were the ones that were oppressing Israel at this time and had to rule over them. At a certain time of the year, and it was a time when the Israelites' crops would be growing, and everything was tender and growing, they would come like uh, like just a swarm, these Midianites, on their camels and everything, and they would just pillage the land. They would trample down all the crops, and they would, they would have, the number was in, innumerable. There were so many of them. And so the Israelites would hide out and they would hide in dens and, and caves and rocks of the earth and, and so forth and hide themselves. The Midianites were just oppressing them and abusing them terribly. Well, God's ready to deliver them from the hand of the Midianites. And so he chooses this man, Gideon, and we don't have time to get into the whole story, but Gideon gets his... God calls the armies of Israel together down by the river, and God says, I'm going to judge, I'm going to determine who's going to go fight with you against the Midianites. Well, it was too many. It's too many. Wait a minute, we got 10,000? You're saying that's too many against the multitude of the Midianites and the Malachites? No, because you've got too many. Too many soldiers with you. Uh, Get in, and you're going to, when you get the victory, you're going to say, We did it ourselves. And so he, he basically pairs them down to 300 men. 300 men, you know, crammed in probably somewhere or another that could fit in this house, okay? And 300 people, they're going to fight against this multitude. Well, we know the plan. God has this plan, and God gives assurance to get in that He's going to deliver them. Because that night before, that night of, actually, He says, if you're still scared, take your servant with you. Go down and creep down to the edge of the camp of the Midianites. So they're all camped out in their tents in the valley down there. And just listen. Well, just what a coincidence. He walks up to this one tent. He's listening to what's going on. He's hearing two of the Midianites talk. And they say, I had a dream that this big barley cake rolled down the cliff and crunched everything, crushed it all. His friend says, that's none other than Gideon. The Lord's going to deliver us into his hands. Just happened to walk up to that tent, right? And um, anyway, Gideon, do you think he took a little courage after that? Absolutely. And God does that for us as needed. Amen. He puts that courage in us. Anyway, he takes his soldiers. He's got this plan. that God shows him they're going to, 300 people are going to spread themselves basically around the camp of the Midianites. And they're going to take this picture. Let's read it. This is what I wanted to read. In Judges 7, 16 through 18. And he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. So, some kind of carrying vessel, probably clay vessel, and inside of it was a lamp that was lit. And he said unto them, Look on me, and do likewise. This is our key scripture. Look on me, and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow the trumpet, I and that them all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord, and of Gideon. We're just going to stop there. God rep- uh, wins a great miracle victory for the Israelites at this time through the hand of Gideon. It was a wonderful... It's one of those top ten kind of stories in the Bible that you read about. And it was an amazing deliverance of the Lord. But when He said in verse 17, and I'm using this not as a story about Gideon, but about this Scripture and what He says, He said unto them, so He's got His 300 men, they're about to go into battle, look on Me and do likewise. Then He says, as I do so shall ye do. And I was thinking about this. You know, the Apostle Paul said uh, twice in Scripture, at least twice that I know of, and I'll read them to you. First Corinthians 4, 16, first Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 4.16, 1 Corinthians 11.1 Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. So isn't that what Gideon was saying? You watch me. What I do, now it's a physical thing, okay? What, when, what you see me do, that you do likewise. What you see me do, you do it as well. Paul says, Wherefore I beseech you to the Christians at Corinth, be ye followers of me. Later he says, the same epistle, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, when such a statement is made, and we're going to talk about this today, okay? Paul says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Gideon said, Soldiers follow me. Okay, he was in God's will. He was doing what God showed him. God planted the, the tactical plan in his mind. Here's how you're going to do it. And you watch me and do what I do. Okay, And they, they did. And the victory came. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. When a statement like that is made, and it is clearly made in the Scriptures, the focus is clearly upon Jesus Christ. When Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, the focus is really upon the Lord. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 1, be be therefore followers of God as dear children. So how does he say in one place, be be followers of God as dear children, in another place, follow me as I follow Christ. I beseech you, follow me. Um, The model life, and I'm putting model life with a capital M, Okay? to to be possessed of and to imitate is Jesus Christ. The spirit to be born of and filled with is not Paul's spirit or a man's spirit or Gideon's spirit. The spirit to be born of and filled with and walk in and yield to is the spirit of Christ. Paul is not saying merely this, follow me. That's not simply what he's saying. He's saying follow me as I follow Christ. And that is the key in Philippians 3.17, Brethren, be ye followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us, for an example. So he includes other people. Follow me, he says. Followers, Follow me and mark them that walk like I walk, in a similar fashion, as you have us, and he includes other people, for an example. He's not being boastful. He's including other people in that as well. He's, Paul is not being prideful and when he says as you have us for an example, I think it's important sometimes. I don't do it for every word and, and so forth but sometimes I like to look up definitions. And I'll look up a definition in the Greek what is the, def- the definition of example in King James And I look it up in the Greek and it says example and it's kind of a long but it's one, long one word definitions. So just picture this. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. You have us for an example. What's an example? It means a stamp. You know, when my boys were little, we would travel around in different places, restaurants, or singing in, in churches and stuff, and people would come up and greet us afterwards, and they'd go... I remember some uh, old country lady saying, it looks like you, uh, Randy, it looks like you spit those boys out of your mouth. You know, that they, they just uh, had... they looked like me. And um, that, that's what's meant here. The stamp or the print. This is the definition of example stamp or the print or the dye, like you dye some of the color to where it's dyed and looks like something else. Resemblance, type, model for imitation. That's actually one of the, the definitions model for imitation. I got to know, so I got to look at something, and this is my model to imitate. My pattern, form, manner, exhibit. Okay, that's a long definition, but all of those give you one thought pretty much, is the resemblance, is a model, is a pattern to follow after. A believer is never admonished, never admonished in the Word of God to follow someone who is not as a pattern following Christ. We're never called to do that. We're never called to follow someone who as a pattern of their lives is not habitually following Christ. I'll just read a scripture here from uh, 3 John. Beloved, do not imitate that. This is from the New King King James. I don't typically read that, but it had that word in it. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who (coughs) does evil has not seen God. So he's saying, do not follow that. Which is evil. We are never acknowledged in Scripture to follow somebody simply because they say that they're a Christian or they're popular or something like that. Uh, that's not our example. The Scripture says, Know them that labor among you. What does it mean to know somebody that labors among you? I think we've gotten over the last, we've known each other for years, but over the last year and three months or so, we've gotten to know each other better. It's been wonderful. And we've gotten to know each other in the context of, of the Lord even better. In our service to God, and hearing you pray and hearing me pray and seeing you prepare to teach Sunday school and then teaching it and our fellowship with one another and our love for one another, we've, we've gotten to know each other better. And the Bible says to know those that labor among you. And the Bible says uh, in Hebrews thirteen seven, for example, remember them which have the rule over you. And that's speaking about, about, about pastors who have spoken unto you the Word of God, whose faith follow. So you see you follow their faith. Considering the end of their conversation or the end of their lifestyle. Consider their lifestyle in it. Don't just follow what they say. Consider their lifestyle. This is over and over in the Scriptures. Now I want you, if you would, to turn to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Now look, We're basically talking about two things here this morning. If you want to know what are we talking about? Um title this, As You Have Us for an Example. That there are godly examples that God gives us to follow. But the focus still is Christ. Okay? And there are also, as a call upon us to be godly examples, true godly examples that other men can follow. That's the thought of this message today. So I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And let's start reading in verse 5. Now, here's Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica. He's writing this letter after he'd already been there and preached, and they got saved, and the church was started. And then sometime later, he writes this epistle to them. For our gospel came not unto you in word and only, but also in power, that's the dunamis power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, that means conviction, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So if Paul's saying, follow me as I follow Christ, and you have us for an example. He's also saying you know the kind of people that we were. The way we were when we first came to you. The way we were among you. The way you watched us. The way you saw us. The way we handle ourselves honestly and so forth. You know what manner of men we, we were among you for your sake. We'll keep reading. And, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. So you see, this this is spoken of maybe more frequently than we realize about people being our examples and then in turn being examples. You know, they're an example for us and then we in turn can be an example to others. But it's important, he says, you know the type of people we were. The gospel didn't come to you in word only. It came with power and assurance, you know, and the Holy Ghost. In other words, God was moving. God was uh, validating what we were saying with signs and wonders following. Your hearts were being convicted. You came to repentance. You came to Christ. And you, you know the type of people we were. We really lived this gospel among you. We weren't just, uh, uh, you know, paid people that came in and spoke the word and, and rolled on out of your town kind of thing. And so that—that's the type of life that we're to follow. When it says, "You know what manner of men we were," manner means sort or type. Okay, but the focus is upon Jesus. Even in this passage, the focus was upon Jesus. It was upon the Holy Ghost. It was upon the gospel, their faith, their testimony in the Lord, and so forth. And the exhortation to follow me as I follow Christ. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, Maybe you have not thought this, but you could see where somebody might think that's a little bit arrogant. For Paul to say to a group of human beings, he's just a human being too, right? Saved by grace, like they are, and says, follow me. Be followers of me. Follow me as I follow Christ. Understanding, you know that it's not arrogant, but that could appear arrogant to someone saying, well, who does he think he is? Uh, But the exhortation is actually very humble. Okay, It's very humble. This is not just for Paul. He even said you have us for an example. And then he told these believers at Thessalonica, and you became examples to all that are in Macedonia and Achaia. After we came to you, you followed us, and you became examples to others. And so it's not arrogant. It is sobering. It is something to be taken very seriously. And so it's not just for an elite few, it's for you. Both to follow a godly example and to be an example to other believers. Because Paul would really, if you read Paul's epistles, and his, what he's saying by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what he's truly saying is, I've met the Lord. He shares his testimony, right? We read in the book of Acts. I truly met the Lord. I'm born of His Spirit. I'm washed in His blood. I'm baptized in Him. His Holy Ghost. I'm loving Him first, seeking Him first, serving Him first with my life. So, what? And I'm paraphrasing. Basically, Paul's saying. So, if you're looking for a real Christian and what that is and what that looks like, a true godly example, you can follow me. I don't think that's being arrogant. He knew his walk with the Lord. I know whom I believe. I'm persuaded. You know what I mean? He knew his walk with the Lord. He never claimed to be sinless. He never claimed to be the Savior. He never told men, don't follow Jesus. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Because if you're looking to see what does a saved man look like? I've heard about Jesus. I've heard about the Gospel. I've heard about Him saving people. I've heard about the church and Christians. What does a Christian look like? I know nice people. I know mean people. I know know spiritual people are... That say they're spiritual. I know all kinds of people. What does a Christian look like? What is an example or a print, a stamp? Okay? Paul is saying, you can follow me. What does a Christian look like, live like, love like, serve like, suffer and sacrifice like worship? How does a Christian prefer others? How does a Christian uh, study and obey and preach God's Word correctly and so forth? You can follow me, Paul saying. You can follow me. I'm not your Savior. I'm not going to be the one that saved you. But you want to know what that looks like in a pattern of life to follow someone who has been born of the Spirit of God and means it and is serious about it and is seeking God. This one thing that I do... I wasn't playing games. This one thing that I do I'm pressing towards the mark so you can follow me. I'm going to take you to the right place. I'm going to lead you the right way. You watch my prayer life. You watch how I abstain from all appearance of evil. You, You watch how I pray without ceasing. You watch how I give sacrificially you watch how I lay down my life for the brethren, and so forth, you can watch me and follow me. Because what you are quickly notice is that Paul would say this, what you're actually following, and what you're actually following, you're modeling your life after, is the Lord. Because all that's in me is what Christ has done in me. Paul would say, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet it's not I that lives. It's not even me that lives. But it's Christ who lives in me now. And in the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And so you'll see a man, Paul would say, who is living by faith in the living God. You'll see a man who is a recipient of the abundant grace of God. You'll see a, uh, someone that's different and the, the difference in my life, all that I am and all, and all that you see me live, the way you see me live, is so different than the Saul of Tarsus that I was before is Christ and what He's done in me. It's a result of his effectual working in my life. It's a result of the fruit of his spirit that's been produced in my life as I abide in Christ and he abides in me consistently as a pattern. This is not arrogant. Paul was not the same man, and he knew it. He didn't have to be ashamed of that, afraid, well, I hope to do a good job as a Christian and all this kind of stuff. He was committed to the Lord. He never claimed to be the Savior. He did say, follow me as I follow Christ, though. And so what we're actually seeing in the life of a godly example, and what, we're, what people are attracted to is Christ in that person. There might be natural things that God blessed them with that we're attracted to, but if we're really saying, what's really different about you that I'm drawn to in the life of another believer, it's going to be Jesus is going to be the working of Jesus in that life. He's made Him humble. He's made Him very kind. He's made Him very compassionate. He's made Him him very selfless and thoughtful about others and their needs. He's made Him very bold where they used to be very timid. You know what I mean? He's made Him very strong and courageous to take a stand for God and the things of God. And we're attracted to that as another believer to another believer. And what we're really attracted to is the Lord in them and what the Lord has worked in their lives. That it wouldn't be It's not what what they had just without Jesus. It's not something separate from the working of God in their life. We're attracted to the Lord. And so, when a believer follows a godly example in the faith, a godly example in the faith, he or she is really following Christ Himself. Because Christ was meek and lowly. Right? Take my yoke and learn of me, I'm meek and lowly. Christ came not to be ministered unto but to minister and give his life a ransom for all. Christ said, Go and do likewise. As you've seen me do, go and do likewise. Christ found favor with God and man. So if I'm following somebody that finds favor, a Christian is finding favor with God and man. That's the example, that's a type of example that we want to follow. Christ lived in total dependency upon and his Father in total obedience to the will of his Father, didn't he? Like no man ever did. Total dependency upon his Father. I only do the things I see my Father doing. What an example to follow, right? He's only... So he's, he's turn on this earth and as a man. Still God, but a man. A mystery there of godliness. But he has lived in that way. Total dependence and obedience to his Father. Nobody was really seeing the Father, but he says, if you've seen the, me, you've seen the Father. So Paul's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. So Maybe I don't know the Lord that well. Maybe I'm just coming into the faith. I just got saved and now this life is so different. How do I live it? What's it look like? It's so so different than me uh, worshiping idols and say in Ephesus and the different things that they used to do and worshiping Diana, the goddess of the Ephesians. And Paul's saying, well, follow me. I'm going to show you the prayer life. I'm going to show you how you give. I'm going to show you how you love your enemies. And when you when you're reviled against, you don't revile back at them, and that kind of thing. I'm going to show you what that looks like. Because I used to be just like you. The Lord saved me, but He really did save me, and He's made me different. And he really has given me a love for my enemies, and a love for strangers, and a love for the body. And let's look at this. I'll, I'll just read it for Tom's sake. And we've studied it in our, in our we read in our first study our study of First Peter. For even here hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered. Leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled reviled not again. When he suffered he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. He says Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. That's very clear. Okay, Christ is that example. And we see Jesus, that He was moved with compassion. Jesus uh, sought, well, what does this look like? He sought to reconcile sinful men unto God, right? Some, give given some different character traits about His life that we've followed. If I could care less about the lost, and maybe I'm following an example that could care less about the lost. I need to follow find another example. Or if somebody's not moved with compassion, we need to be compassionate because Jesus was... Or somebody that went about doing good, the Bible says, Jesus went about doing good. He says that, "For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you." You know when He spoke that, when the Last Supper, when He washed the disciples' feet. We talked about that recently in our about, about humility, when He girded Himself with a towel, and went about, about you know, bent down before these sinful men. They would all flee from him that night and forsake him, at least for a time. And he washed their feet. And he said, "He said, you do likewise. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So that's our example. The perfect example is Jesus. The example that never fails or falters or misrepresents God is Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on him. How can I see him? We see him through his word. We see Him by the revelation of the Holy Ghost that He gives us. But He has also allowed us, in part, to see Him, what He looks like, how He thinks, how He loves, how He speaks through holy men and women of God. There's a limit to that. Because they're men. Redeemed, sinful men that have been saved. But He does allow us to see much of His goodness and attributes and how He prays and loves and so forth through godly men. And I thank the Lord for godly examples. I want to read this scripture from uh, Paul, his last epistle that he wrote, Second Timothy 3, 10 and 11. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. Here's what he's telling Timothy, you've known me. And he starts by saying, you've known my doctrine. You fully know my doctrine, my manner of life. What is that? That's not just my words or my doctrine. That's do I live it out. Am I a hypocrite or do I practice what I preach? You fully know my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. And he's saying, you fully know me. You fully know this. Christ in me and what he's done. That's the type of example, y'all that God would give us to follow. Clear admonition in Scripture. We're really not going to be very, very long this morning, but I want us to think about it. two things again. God has given us godly examples. If you have one, praise God. Maybe at different points in your life you have different ones. God has given us godly examples to follow. There's nothing wrong with that, as long as we're following them as they follow Christ and keeping in the back of it all, thanking the Lord for what God's done in so-and-so's life that I'm following. This is Jesus in him. And the Lord did it in him or her. They, he can do it for me and in my life. And I thank the Lord that He gives us people like that. We're not worshiping them. We're not putting them up on a pedestal. Seen, we're seeing someone whose life has been transformed and they're serious about their walk with God. And so it's safe and good for me to follow them as I follow Christ. God puts some people in that, in our lives. Again, it may be one, it may be a few, that we can do that. I want us to look back at 2 Thessalonians. We just have a couple more scriptures to read. Chapter 3. Not only does God give us this, but there's, you see here, there's an admonition to, like an instruction to do this, to follow godly examples, okay? We're going to read it right here. 2 Thessalonians 3, 7 through 9 chance to turn there. Second Thessalonians 3, 7-9. through 9. For yourselves know how you ought. When you hear ought, it means you ought to do it. That means there's some a moral obligation that's put upon us to do that. It's not just whatever you feel like. Okay? You ought to follow us. For we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might be chargeable, not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves what? An example unto you to follow us. You ought to do this. And it was a conscious choice from the Lord that Paul said, Me and, and the leaders, Barnabas, Timothy, Silas, Titus, whoever was with him at the time, those that were with us, we knew what was going on. We purposely brought the truth to you. We also purposely lived the truth among you so that we could tell you later, you saw how we lived among you? That's how you're going to live. It's not just just a doctrine. It's not just words on a page. We lived in such a way that we knew after we left we could tell you later, follow that. Remember how we were among you? We didn't come and just take advantage of everybody because we were so nice and kind and brought you the Gospel and just plunder everybody's goods and take it to themselves because they were maybe in such a happy mood that they got saved. They would have just taken everything from the people or whatever. We lived a certain way among you that and you ought to follow us. He says we we lived this way so that you would have us for an example. So we do see that in Scripture. God giving human beings, bought by the same blood of Jesus that we've been bought by, filled with the same Holy Ghost that we've been filled with, and living by the same Bible that we live by, the Word of God, to follow. And then also believers are to be examples. So it's not just Paul and those that were with him that I mentioned. It's believers. You, that includes you and me, includes the little children in here. They ought to be examples that people that are looking for Jesus, their friends in school or a co-op group or whatever ought to be able to, to see the Lord in them. I mean, really see the Lord in them. Even though they're young. They haven't matured maybe to a place where the adults are in the, in the Word of God and so forth. But Christ is just as real in them. And they can live for the Lord just as obediently as an adult can live for the Lord. And we ought to be examples that others can follow. I'm talking about true examples that will rightly lead others in the truth. Not get a people that are that love the Lord, but maybe someone immature and gullible and I could lead them to my end, to where it's halfway right or something like that. But to truly lead people rightly in the truth. Leading others in a spiritually healthy and spiritually biblical, a biblical manner, okay? This befitting of the Lord who redeemed us. I'll give an example. If I preach to others that, that we ought to, uh, you know, the golden rule. If you're a Christian, you, you tell, hey, we ought to do to others as we would have them to do unto us. Then we better be living that way ourselves. But guess what? We can live that way. God can help us. We don't feel like doing that. It's not naturally in us, but it's supernaturally in us, by fruit of the Spirit, by the working of God. And if we abide in Him and His Word abides in us, we're going to bear much fruit. So if I'm telling somebody God's Word, I'm a Christian. I maybe got a younger Christian I'm discipling, okay? And I, and I say, don't gossip. It's not of the Lord. Don't gossip. Am I gossiping? You see what I'm saying? I need to make sure I'm not gossiping. Because I'm telling others. And so to be that example, we need to be that example. We need to be, follow men to follow us as we follow Christ. And the Bible says, uh, Paul told Timothy, uh, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. How? He says, In word, in conversation, again, that's your lifestyle, or your living, in charity, that's your love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Be an example of the believers in all these ways. So we can show a lost world what a Christian looks like. We can show another believer what a Christian looks like. And we ought to be able to say that. I would would be wonderful if all of us could really say genuinely, not in an arrogant manner, but follow me as I follow Christ. I really am walking with the Lord. I sinned yesterday and I asked God to forgive me. Well, guess what? That's part of my walk with the Lord. But I'm telling you that I sinned. And I'm not pretending like it was right and I excused it. I sinned. (coughs) And I found forgiveness and cleansing through the blood of Jesus and confessing my sin to God. He's so merciful. Follow me in that as well. Did you sin today? You can ask God to forgive you. It's not an arrogance. It's following me as I follow Christ because I'm not playing games. I'm not following New Age. I'm not following some secret friendly something that's halfway true. I'm following the Lord so you can follow me as I do that. You know what I mean? That's not an arrogance at all. A true godly man or woman is going to point men to Christ. A true godly man or woman is going to point men to Christ. The focus will not be on them. Me, me, me. And people propping me up. and people, Even the church world propping me up. The, the focus in a true godly example is going to be Christ. Always. Okay? By their meek spirit, by their prayer life, by their worship, by their church attendance, by their giving to the things of God, by their boldness to witness for Christ, by their love and obedience for His word. That's going to be, in, in more. That's going to be how we're an example for Christ. I know it's a very simple message this morning. We're going to close with one passage, and I have a little a story I want to tell as we close. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll start reading in verse 4, and we'll read through 10. Just listen to this. But in all things, approving yourselves... And this is just speaking to the believers in the church. In all things, approving yourselves as the ministers of God. In much patience. In afflictions. This is how we can prove ourselves, so to speak, amongst other believers. In in much patience and afflictions and necessities and distresses and stripes and imprisonments and tumults and labors and watchings and fastings, by pureness by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as from other people, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. I'm just going to stop there. He goes on to say, Corinthians, our heart is enlarged to you. We love you. He had to rebuke him in this letter severely when he said we still love you. We're still here for you. The Lord's still here for you. This is how you really live for God. This is how you're an example to the flock. This is how you are, uh, prove yourselves as being true men of God, true people of God in the world. And he listed some of those things there. And God gives us people like that, I'm thankful for it. Like I said, different seasons in our life, it might be different people. But also, we ought to strive to be that. And we need to make sure our own heart and relationship with the Lord is such that We can honestly say that. If you're not in a place like that, then you quickly can be. But don't go set yourself up to be an example at this point in your life. Get yourself right with the Lord and your confidence is in Him and your eyes are upon Him. So when somebody's watching you, they're watching you keep your eyes on Jesus. They're watching you follow the Lord. When you have a problem or somebody gossips about you or somebody says something uh, unkind about you, they're going to watch how you handle it. How you bring it to the Lord. How you don't revile. When violent, we don't revile again like we talked about Jesus. And so, live in such a way that, that it's not arrogance at all. It's a great humility. You follow me as I follow Jesus. Do not follow me as I don't. It's as simple as that. Don't follow me if I'm not following Christ. If I'm preaching something untrue. Living something untrue. Being a hypocrite, whatever it may be, you're not obliged to follow that at all. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm going to close with this true story. There was a famous Baptist missionary, wonderful man of God, Donovan Judson. You've heard of the Judson Missions and so forth. Wonderful man of God. He had come home on furlough after uh, years on the mission field and come back for a little while, a couple of months of rest before he went back. And he was in uh, Stonington, Connecticut on on the coastline. So he's just kind of basically walking on the beach or the coastline there. And there's a little boy who's walking out there. And he just didn't didn't say a word. He had never seen Judson before. didn't know who he was. He looks upon his face, the little boy does. And this face of this man made such an impression upon him. He literally went running to the town to find somebody. And he ran across his minister. And he says, Pastor so-and-so, do you know who this man is? You've got to come... Come see this man. You don't believe this guy. He hadn't even had a conversation with him. He just looked upon it, his face. And so he brings the minister back to him. And well, the minister knew who he was. So they struck up a conversation, forgot all about the little boy. And he's watching for a while. And finally, he's kind of left out of the picture. And he leaves. Later, he, uh, this, this boy grew up to be a famous evangelist himself. Henry, Henry Clay Trumbull is his name. And he wrote in a book, he, in a chapter in that book called uh, What a Boy Saw in the Face of Adoniram Judson. And what he had seen changed his life. The glory of the Lord. Just in looking at the man's face, he said that lighted countenance had forever changed his life. And uh, he became a follower of Jesus. Now, of course, it had to be more than that. The Gospel and so forth. Now, I'm not saying it's safe by looking at that. But the, the, cha- the, the radiance... In this man's life, he was sold out to God and given himself, but lost men may come to know Jesus for the glory of His Savior. It so radiated the life of God through his life. He never did speak to him and never had a conversation with him, but he wrote a chapter what a what a boy saw in the face of this man, and he and he went on to say even his followers, uh, thrive, I'm sorry, even as flowers thrive when they bend to the light. Okay, we've got our little plants on the back porch. Most of them aren't dying. But they, they, they bend towards the light. Okay, We, know, we all know that. And uh, as he says, so shining, radiant faces come to those who constantly turn towards Christ. And people ought to be able to see Christ in us that they're drawn to that. They're attracted to that. And we can quickly, very quickly, and continually give the glory to Jesus. No, it's not me. It's what the Lord's done in me. I used to be miserable. I used to be selfish. I used to be fearful. I used to be covetous. You know what I mean? I used to be very selfish and concerned about my own life. So you're attracted to this kindness in me. Can I tell you about the kindness of a Savior and what He's done for my life? And even to this day, I wouldn't be kind if it wasn't a fruit of the Holy Ghost that He's worked in my life miraculously as I abide in Christ. And so... I just thought that's a very uh, wonderful s- story about the little boy in it Judson. It it's made an impression on me. And I think we can live in such a way that people ask a reason for the hope that's in us. They really see us living and talking and, and in good times and bad times and when things are going our way and things are not going our way. And they see the Lord in us. They don't know maybe that they're seeing the Lord. But we can tell him that that's the Lord. And he can do it for you as well. Our new believer. Look, I was where you were once. God's gonna have, you're still fearful. You're still struggling with smoking a cigarette. You're still struggling with this. God can help you with that. He'll bring you out of all of that. He'll, he'll do it. He'll do it. By his spirit. He did it for me. You know, follow me. Follow my prayer life. Come out and let, let's study the Bible together. Come follow me. Let's go tell people them the mall about Jesus. You know, come watch me. Let's go tell somebody about Jesus. Follow me as I follow Christ. We ought to be able to say that with a real confidence, but not an arrogance. A confidence in what the Lord's done in us and where we are with the Lord right now. I'm just going to close with that. And so, these altars are open. I think we understand what, what the Word's about, what the message is about, what the appeal of the Lord is for us. Thanking God for godly examples. Be sure that who you're following is know those that labor among you you know be sure that you're following the right person for the right reasons whoever they may be ultimately follow Christ and always but also pray that we would be such believers and Christians that, that people could follow us and we're not going to lead them into a ditch you know I didn't pray for last week but I'm saying follow me as I follow Christ and then watching me not pray because I got too busy because I was sleeping and I didn't read my bible you know, and I don't want him to see that. I want him to see that, no, even when I'm sleepy, I'm still going to pray. God will refresh me, you know. I'm not going to live a day without reading the Word because He says man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word. I want to live in such a way that I really can, can testify rightly of the Lord. So just take that time to pray and, and call upon the Lord. Father, we, we thank You that Christ is our example. You even said that you've given us, Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps. And Lord, never would we say to somebody, follow me, follow me. We would say, follow me as I follow the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior, my God, my friend. Follow me as I follow Him. But Lord, help us to live in such a way that others would truly see what does a real Christian look like all the time consistently. And I think that consistency is so important. As a pattern of life, how do I live? Let them see Christ in me when it comes to that godly pattern. God, I thank you for godly men and women you put in my life. <coughs> and I've been able to follow their faith. Like Timothy followed Paul. We didn't worship Paul. we followed Paul. He worshiped Jesus. And Lord, thank you for those people you put in our lives. And Lord, if we're following the wrong person, for some reason and been deceived into thinking that's the right person, forgive us for that. This is sin on our part. And I pray that you would help us, God. Meet with us this morning. Help us to call upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.